our text of scripture today is Ephesians chapter 5. The focus is on verses 5 through 14. But what I am going to do is read from verse 1 all the way through verse 14 just to keep everything in context. And as you are turning there, um, it's, you know, for us, it is easy to look at this world and see all of the evil that prevails within the world and easily shake our heads at the vile and wicked things that take place within this world. But we have a duty to Christ to be light within the darkness of this world. So this sermon is not one that is intended to be a call out of all of the specific deeds of darkness prevailing in our day, but one which focuses on the duty of the Christian going out into the world. How should you prepare before you step out? And then what are you to do once you are out there combating the evil of the world? I think that on a weekly basis, we as elders, uh, we make it a point to address the issues that are taking place within the world and combating those things. So I don't want to uh, step over the things that we have already done, the things that we have already brought your attention to, but just give you some guidance on how you should conduct yourself in this world. The, uh, the title of the sermon is Deeds of Darkness Exposed by the Light. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 14. We'll pray and then we will get into the word. So starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world, in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. 
For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together where we get to dig into your word. Father, and I pray, Lord, that you would continue to be with me as I am preaching your word. Father, do not allow me to say anything that misrepresents you. I pray, God, that it would be edifying to those who are here. God, those who are listening online, God, I pray that this word would accomplish its intended purpose and that we would be encouraged to go out into this world as light in the darkness. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, uh, Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. The instruction to the saints at Ephesus was to be imitators of God. And the example of how to do that was given, namely, to walk in love with Christ as the example who gave himself for them. We should take note of that instruction and do the same. Our walk with Christ is one that is characterized by love. Verses three and four, walking in love, we should avoid all ungodly practices of immorality. So sexual immorality of all kinds and types, which is found outside of the marriage bed, the marriage covenant, fornication, homosexuality, pornography, along with impurity and greed. These things should not even be named among the saints. Not only should these things not be named among you, but there should be no sort of filthiness or silly talk or crude joking in relation to these things. And we know just through conversations, you can get deep into the weeds of ungodly conversation if you do not keep yourself in check. So there should be no conversation or crude joking in relation to these things. Let them not be named among you as saints. These are things that the scripture says is not fitting, nor are they proper among the saints. So how are saints supposed to avoid immorality, impurity, and greed? By giving thanks. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, it says this, it says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So these are ways that we as Christians can conduct ourselves 
ourselves by giving thanks, by rejoicing always, by not engaging in unfruitful conversations and crude joking. Those are things that should not be named among us as Christians. And then we go to verse 5, which now we'll get into the focus of the uh, the message. So in verse 5, it says this. It says, For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. The command was given in verse 3 that these things, again, should not even be named among you. So when we consider how grave the situation, it should give us pause. You should stop and consider the danger of your soul should these things prevail in your lives continually. If sexual immorality, meaning all kinds of sexual immorality, is prevalent in your life, if covetousness, and this is, this covetousness is a burning desire, a greed for something sexually that is not in the covenant of marriage. Now, you could look at covetousness and say that maybe he's talking about material things here, but I don't believe that is the case in this context. Because even when you think about the commandment, you shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. So we see something there when a man is coveting his neighbor's wife. He is doing something out of the parameter of scripture. It is against the command of God. So this covetousness is something that is a desire for something sexually outside of the covenant of marriage. So if covetousness, if idolatry, pornography, if these things prevail, then you have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Consider that. Consider that. Weigh your lives. See if there is anything like this in your life and see what the word says. You have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And speaking of the kingdom of Christ and God, we're not talking about two separate kingdoms, but this is, these are two ways of saying the exact same thing. The kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of God. Christ, who is truly God. And as the word says, no one comes to God the Father except through Christ. So the kingdom of Christ and God is the same thing. But listen, saints, consider the seriousness of this. First Corinthians uh, chapter six, verses nine through 10. It says this. It says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is serious. 
Galatians 5, 19 and 21, it says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation 21, 8. It says this, it says, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That is heavy. Death, damnation, and God's eternal wrath in hell is what is promise to those who are immoral, who are impure, who are covetous. This type of sin should never be shrugged off, nor should it be pacified, especially in the life of a believer. If you claim to belong to Christ, be sure that these things do not characterize your life, not even for a moment. The danger is grave. The end is hell. You will not inherit the kingdom of God and Christ. Verse 6, it says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Listen, saints, Do not allow anyone to tell you that it is okay for Christians to live an immoral life and fill your life with all sorts of filth, which is contrary to the instruction of the Bible and not in step with how followers of Christ are supposed to live. And somehow you waltz into the kingdom of God. It will not happen. That is not biblical. See, there are people out there, churches out there that say that you can live an an immoral lifestyle. Individuals who believe that you can live any kind of way that you want to because God forgives, because God understands, because God knows. He'll forgive you of it all, so why don't I just live it up? That is a lie from the pit of hell. Does the Lord forgive those who have sinful acts of immorality in their past? Absolutely. As 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. However, immorality does not define the life of a believer. It cannot. Anyone who tells you that it is okay is doing the work of Satan, who is a liar and a deceiver. Satan, as read in Genesis 3, he deceived Eve. And it is that same kind of deception that causes those who claim the name of Christ to believe that they can continue to live in willful immorality 
and yet inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. Do not be deceived. If you find yourself over and over drawn into the same sin of immorality, and this sin is a habit in your life, and you are not broken over that sin and actively seeking to kill that sin, you are headed for danger. The danger which is the wrath of God. Believer, do you grieve your sin? Does it bother you to know that you grieve the Holy Spirit when you sin? If you feel like you are entangled in the stronghold of sin, I urge you to cry out to God and ask him not only to forgive you of your sin, but to cast the stronghold away from you. And he will do it. See, sometimes the battle against sin is an hour by hour, a moment by moment battle in which you must engage. But the fact remains that you must engage and wage war against the sinful flesh that drags you down into sin. No matter how many times that you must go to God for strength along the way, go to him. He is delighted to hear from his children, and he will answer the call. When you stumble into sin, do not be discouraged, but run to God for forgiveness, and he will abundantly pardon. But you must go to him believing that he will forgive you, and you must go to him in all sincerity, truly wanting to be delivered from sin. See, the reason why some continue to struggle with the same sin over and over despite their prayers is because they truly do not want the sin to be gone. Rather, they want to appear as sincerely wanting it removed, but in their heart, they are still holding on to the joys and the pleasures that that sin supposedly brings to them. As long as that sin is cherished in the heart, the Lord will not answer the prayer to remove it. And if that is the case, if you love your sin so much, again, you are in danger and you need to examine yourself to see if you are truly in the faith. Why is the danger so great? You go back to uh, to verse 6, it says this, For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So, for immorality, for impurity, for covetousness, the wrath of God comes upon those who live in disobedience to the commands of Scripture and are enslaved to these sinful ways of life. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this about the wrath of God. He says, the wrath of God is asserted in the Bible from beginning to end. It is his attitude toward evil and sin. It is his displeasure at sin, his settled hatred of sin. The wrath of God is not to be tampered with. 
You should not shrug off the wrath of God. It is real. So, let's go on to verse 7. It says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So knowing how great the price to be paid for those who live immoral lives, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They, they uh, are under the wrath of God. They run the risk of falling into the eternal wrath of God. This should be reason enough for you to not be partakers with them, the sons of disobedience. So what does it look like to partake with them? And for an explanation of that, I'll turn to Matthew Henry, who says this. He says, we partake with other men in their sins, not only when we live in the same sinful manner that they do, and consent and comply with their temptations and solicitations to sin, but when we encourage them in their sins, prompt them to sin, and do not prevent and hinder them as far as it may be in our power to do so. That is what it means to be a partaker in their sin. No, you may not be doing the same exact thing that they are, but you're remaining silent when they are walking headlong into sin. That is not how we should be as believers. That is not what we should do. We should warn them. Immediately prior to that statement, Henry says, do not partake with them in their sins that you may not share in their punishment. So there is a clear and present danger for your soul. You must examine yourself to see that you are in the faith. You are not to walk in their ways. You are not to condone them because you know the danger that lies in wait for their souls. How do you know? Let's go to verse 8. It says, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You were formerly darkness. So the darkness that these people are walking in, you were brought out of. You know what it took to bring you out of that darkness. Why partake with them? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 7. If I can get the pages of my Bible unstuck. Sorry, and my hands are cold, so (laughs) bear with me. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. 
But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah and amen to God for that. But knowing this, knowing that is where you were brought from you were brought out of the depths of darkness why would you even want to entertain the sinful the sinful deeds of darkness in another person's life we are commanded to walk in love and it is not loving to participate in the sinful deeds of darkness alongside those who are going to hell in fact it's cruel That is not walking in love to see someone headed for God's wrath. And we who know the truth just sit back and say nothing. Why? Why? Because of our sinful fear? Because we don't know what we just read of how Christ has brought us out of the darkness? See, we know it, and it is cruel for us to not warn others who are heading to a fiery hell, an eternal hell where they will not escape. We know the message of the truth. We've been charged to preach the gospel. We've been charged to be the light in darkness. We must obey what God has called us to do. So you were far off, but you were brought near, as Ephesians 2.13 says. You are not partakers with deeds, those who are performing deeds of darkness, but you are fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, as Ephesians 3.6 says. So what are you to do? Walk as children of light. See, here you see the need to do something more than just not participate in sinful immorality and impurity and covetousness of sinners. You are called to shine the light in the darkness. What is that light? First and foremost, Jesus Christ. John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. It says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Chapter 9, verse 5 says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So does that mean that there is no longer light, the light of Christ in this world? Absolutely not. Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, verses 14 and 16 says this. It says, you are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus spoke this to his disciples and apostles. They obediently went out into the world, shining the light of the gospel and through the generations of the early church, the reformers and up to today. The light of the gospel continues to shine through those whom the Lord has brought unto himself and given them the light of life, as the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5.8. But now you are the light in the Lord. Amen, saints? Do we believe that? That we are the light in the Lord? Have you accepted that fact that you are light in the Lord? The Lord lives on the inside of you. You are to go out into darkness and shine that light. Amen? Now, two things here before we proceed. Number one, the importance of crucifying your sin. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. See, do not play games with sinful lust in your lives, or any sin for that matter, but kill it. Crucify that sin. Get on the battlefield so that you can be of use to God. Take advantage of the power of God's gospel and the power of the Spirit of God to crucify the sin in your life. Pray to God and ask him for that strength and he will answer. We cannot continue to go on sulking in our own sin when we have the power of the living God in our lives who is more powerful than any sin that is in our lives. Kill that sin crucify that sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not hang on to pet sins. Let them go. See, do you truly want your besetting sin gone? That is a question that you have to ask yourself. And only you and God know the answer to that. Do you want your besetting sin gone from your life? Or do you want to hang on to it? See, if you want to be of use to God, you must lay aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles you. And trust me, I know You can get caught up in sin, and it may seem like you cannot get out. And you may have the thought that since I have already sinned, why not continue on in sin? But no, you must kill that 
sin, the power of the living God is in you, believer. Trust in him to get rid of that sin that so easily entangles you. He will forgive you. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy which say that you have sinned so bad and too much for the Lord to even consider you. He has separated your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. You cannot outsend the grace of God. And as I have said many times before, you should not even try. But understand that God will forgive your sin. You have to want that sin gone out of your life. Number two, the benefits of being in the kingdom of God are present in this day. Yes, there is a coming day when the Lord will fully establish his kingdom, but the kingdom of God is alive and well right now. And every child of God is a part of that kingdom. One benefit is that you have the light of life and you get to advance the kingdom of Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. See, we are not to look at the condition of the world and cower in fear. No, we are fully protected by our Savior and King who gave his life for us so that we might live for him. We have the message of truth that the world needs, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Get out there and light it up. Listen to me. You have Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. Go boldly out into this world. Do not fear. There is no reason for you to Fear. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Understand that. When you take your last breath, you are immediately in the presence of the Lord, believer. Do not fear. We all have some natural fears of the way that we may die, of course, but death itself, we should not fear. And even the way that we die, we should not fear. Listen, it is God who has made us. We did not make ourselves. And he has already determined when he will call us home from this earth. He knows when we are going to take our last breath and how that is going to take place. Do you believe that? Or are you going to try to be so careful with your life and take care of yourself to not step out into the darkness, bringing the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knows already you are in his hand. The Lord is on your side and has equipped you with all that you need. Do you believe it? The call is not to be consumed by the dread of the daily news. Listen, we are to be aware of the matters of the day. But we cannot take our cues from Christless news sources who have no hope. We have the hope that of the word of God. 
which is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. The command is to go out into the darkness of this world and make disciples by shining the light of Jesus Christ, pointing sinners to him and calling those in opposition to submit to the king, Jesus Christ, who reigns forever. Walk as children of light. Verse 9, it says this, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. See, this is goodness as opposed to wickedness. Righteousness as opposed to injustice. And truth as opposed to error and lies. Verse 10, it says, Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. The KJV reads, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. The idea behind this, verse 10, is that you are committed to obeying the Lord and that you are searching out the scriptures to determine what it is that the Lord has willed for you as a believer. And then you walk in the way of obedience to his commands. And it is a continued pattern of your life. You continually search out the scriptures to see what the will of God is for your life. What is pleasing to the Lord? You find it, you obey it, you go back to the word, you find more, you obey it as you are being sanctified in the Lord and you prove what is acceptable to the Lord. By your life, by your obedience, by your example to this world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 11, it says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Back to Ephesians, sorry. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. So this further extends the duty of a Christian. In verse 7, the instruction is to not be partakers. And in this verse, it gives the command, do not participate or take no part. What this is saying is that we are not to have fellowship with those who live expressly sinful lives, doing what is evil, hating what is good. We are to have no fellowship with them. I'll turn to Matthew Henry again. He says this, sinful works are works of darkness. They come from the darkness of ignorance. They seek the darkness of concealment, and they lead to the darkness of hell. These works of darkness are unfruitful works. There is nothing got by them in the long run. Whatever profit is pretended by sin, it will by no means balance the laws, for it issues in the utter ruin and destruction of the impenitent sinner. 
We must therefore have no fellowship with these unfruitful works, as we must not practice them ourselves, so we must not countenance others in the practice of them. There are many ways of our being accessory to the sins of others, by commendation, counsel, consent, or concealment. And if we share with others in their sin, we must expect to share with them in their plagues. Do not participate in the slightest. So the question is then, how then are we supposed to reach those who are lost in darkness? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13, speaking of not associating with immoral people, said that he did not mean all immoral people of the world or the covetous or idolaters of the world. But with any so-called brother, if that is his lifestyle, he said that God judges those outside of the faith, but he gives the instruction to remove the wicked man from among yourselves. See, believers have true fellowship with one another. How? Through Jesus Christ. And we are to, con- uh, we are to encourage one another in Christian living. However, when sin arises amongst the fellowship of believers, the one committing the acts of sin must be confronted and called to repentance. And if they do not take heed and repent of their sin, they are to be removed through the measures set out in Scripture. Now, a believer can associate with unbelievers, and there are even close relationships between believers and unbelievers, but there is no true fellowship between a believer and an unbeliever because of the absence of Christ in the unbeliever. For what fellowship has light with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6.14 asks, This does not mean to shun unbelievers out of your life. However, you are not to join their sinful activities by consent, advice, assistance, or in any way approving their sin. Instead, we are to expose the deeds of darkness whenever and however we can, both inside the church and outside of it. We are to do this by the clear preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, pointing to him as the only means of salvation for those lost in the darkness of sin. It will always, it will not always be by admonishing and rebuking, but we have to convince unbelievers of their sinfulness by exposing it through the truth of the word. We are to give evidence that we believe what we say is true, and this by living holy lives, learning what is pleasing to the Lord and obediently living by it. If we are Christians in word only, but not by deed, we are going to have a hard time convincing others to submit to the authority of Christ. Again, 
Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. Ephesians verse 12, it says this. It says, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Some of the things that are done by sinners in their darkness are so disgraceful that they should not even be spoken of except for exposing the sin. There's no need to go into all of the details, but some of the things you are very aware of when it comes to the wicked perversions of the world related to sexual, sexually immoral people, impure people, and covetous things. Remember that burning desire, that greed for something sexually outside of the covenant of marriage. Verse 13, it says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. So all things which need to be exposed are laid bare before the sinner's eyes whenever the light shines upon them. How does this happen? God's word must be spoken to them. So that means that you must open your mouth and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. The Lord's light has shone on you and brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, you know what happened to you, how deep in sin you were, how deep in darkness you were. You know how Christ brought you out. You are to tell of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know exactly how that happened, how you were brought from the darkness into the light, please, See, see me, see Luke, see Pastor Joe. We will explain that to you and help you to understand and explain that to others. But tell of the goodness of Jesus Christ and how he came to redeem dead sinners and rescue them out of the domain of darkness and transfer them into his light through repentance and faith in him alone. Live a life that gives evidence of obedience to the word of Christ. Strive to be holy as God is holy. First Peter chapter one, verses 15 through 16 says, but like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. To do this, it presupposes that you are actually engaging with impenitent sinners. How else do you shine the light of Christ if you do not engage? Again, you are not to give approval to sin in any way, but you must be able to engage sinners to the degree that you will be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Verse 14, it says, For this reason it says, 
Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the clarion call of the prophets of old and the apostles of Christ and also for his ministers of the gospel throughout history and today. You must engage. How can you shine the light of Christ if you do not? For those of you who are redeemed of the Lord, this call to awake sleeper, it is a two-part call. For those of you who are redeemed of the Lord, who have been rocked to sleep by sin or by fear, which is also sin of such evil in the world today that has caused you to be inactive or passive in battle. The call is to wake up, shake the dust off your feet, repent of your sin, of your apathy to be engaged in the warfare that rages on. Ask the Lord to direct you to areas where you can actively engage in the battle against darkness. It starts in your home. Husbands, fathers, you are accountable to God. You must do your duty and shepherd your home. You must actively engage and beat back the darkness that attempts to enter your home. It starts with you being in the word, leading your family in worship. Your role is an active one. You cannot sleep. You cannot slumber. You must fight against darkness that tries to make its way into your home. Whether you have a full house or whether it is just you and your wife, you must engage in the battle. Men, you must lead. Equip your family to go out into this world with the light of the gospel. Wives, children, you also have a duty to engage in the battle. You're not off the hook. If you are apathetic to the things that God has charged you with, repent. Get back on track. The battle rages on. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 22 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Ephesians 6, 1 says, All believers are to wake up and get busy serving the Lord. Now is not the time to be complacent. We must actively seek the Lord and exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ together and pray that he brings dead sinners to life through what he calls us to do. For the unbeliever, the call is one to turn to God from sin through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a life of sinless perfection, making him the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. He paid a debt owed to God that only he could pay on behalf of sinners who would believe in him. Christ suffered the wrath of Almighty God to 
to the full for his sheep. The wrath of God that was spoken of earlier was fully unleashed by God the Father on his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for the remission of sins on the cross at Calvary. Christ's work was completed in totality. He hung his head and died on the cross. He he was taken and laid in the tomb and he was resurrected on the third day for our justification. Repent and believe in him and be saved. Some practical points of application as we close. Number one, walk in love. Remember, when you go out, that you are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not to go out to start arguments. You are out to see souls transformed by the power of Christ. Make sure that your conduct is representative of Jesus Christ. Do not act as those who are blinded by darkness. Remember that you must speak the truth in love. But remember this, that true love always speaks truth. You must speak up with the truth of the word of God. Number two, do not be discouraged whenever you witness to those who are trapped in darkness and you don't get the expected response that you thought you would get. You can do everything that you know to do and do it very well. However, understand that one, sinners only come to Christ through the power of God. No one comes to Christ unless the Father draws them to Christ. John 6:44. Number 2, there are also some who are in darkness and remain there because that is where they want to be. They hate the light. These have been judged already. John chapter 3 verses 19 through 21, it says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. First John chapter four, verses four through six, it says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Go lovingly and boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, when it comes to the evil of this world, do not be consumed by it. 
continue rejoicing in the Lord. He has saved you. He has rescued you from the darkness. The worst that could happen to you will not happen. You will be with Christ forever. Eternal life has begun for you already the moment when you trusted in Christ as your Savior, when you were regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, eternal life belongs to you. Rejoice in the Lord. Let this world worry about its own affairs. Expose them. Preach the gospel to them. Continue fellowshipping with the brethren, encouraging one another as we do what the Lord has called us to do, keeping the joy of Christ in your hearts. Christ has you in his hand and he is in the Father's hand and nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. This should bring you great joy. There should be great encouragement in this Though there is much darkness in the world, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ outshines it all. Believers, walk in light. Expose the deeds of darkness.